0: Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Locke. And this is Fig and Locke, Coast to Coast. How are we doing today, Mr. Locke? How's your week been?
1: Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, it has been a cold one this weekend. Saturday and Sunday, been nice and cold out here. But beyond that, uh, weather's been pretty decent. Uh, you know, work's been keeping me very busy and stuff like that. How's it been for you on the West Coast?
0: Uh, I can't complain, man. Uh, my folks are in town this week. I know they They got a. Uh, they're they're in town for the next month, and they're enjoying the reprieve from the cold weather. So I've been taking them around, doing a lot of different things. Uh, we were up on the north shore of Hawaii, or of Oahu yesterday, um, enjoying the weather, and we did a little whale watching tour because, so this time of year it's like peak whale watching season because, in the uh, the migration cycle of the of, of humpbacks. Um, they so they go up to Alaska to feed in the summertime, and then they come down here in the wintertime to like mate and, and birth their calves and everything like that. So like apparently, in upwards of like a thousand whales are like in the vicinity of like of Hawaii between the months of like December to like mid April. So like like in, in when we were in Maui in November, it was just like the beginning of the season we did a whale watching tour and we only saw like really like one or two whales but yesterday we actually saw like an entire pod out there and they were like smacking their tails and um you know cruising up the coast and there was like they call it like a male heat i guess is when all the males compete for the females attention so like there was like just as we were heading back like we saw like like not maybe like 200 300 yards off the back of the boat there were like four or five males like just smacking tails and jumping and you know doing whatever they you know males do to get the females attention so um it was it was really cool and the weather was perfect yesterday um to do that kind of thing so yeah it's been a good been a good week can't complain so
1: that's interesting uh in jersey they had a couple of sightings of dead whales on their beach
0: yeah uh, i saw those, that a couple they, of them. yeah i saw that they uh i was reading up on that they said that a good chance that they were struck by shipping. Uh, which caused, you know, because I, that's pretty frequent, um, you know, uh, because I guess a lot of these migration lanes, because in the Atlantic side, the same thing happens, right? They head up to like the North, like up you near know, off of Greenland to feed and they migrate back down toward the equator, um, to do, to, again, to mate and have their calves. So like, I think like, you know, a lot of the shipping lanes on the East coast, it's kind of sit right in those migration lanes for a lot of whales and they get struck by ships. You know, I'm, I can remember, I have friends in the Navy who, like, when they're on the bridge of the ship, they actually have to report whale sightings to, like, the Department of um, the Interior and, like, and whatever, because of conservation cons- conservation efforts and stuff like that. Interesting. Okay, okay. All right, all right. Yep. But, um, yeah, man, so it's been a good week. Um, and then I'm off one more week before I head back to work. Just trying to make the most of my, enjoy my folks while they're here since it's, you know, they only come out once a year. So, well,
1: I fully understand that.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Hey, well, um, you know, this week, you know, this were this weekend for those of you that are tracking and hopefully you are, it is a federal holiday and it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, so we thought today, you know, despite everything else that's going on in the news, you know, between classified document gate and, huh. um, you know, Santos gate and, uh, what else am I missing? Airline gate and all the other things that are happening on, like one the thing. War on gas is, stoves. Yeah. war on The war on gas stoves. Um, I think it's like, I think we need to take pause, you know, and recognize the fact that, you know, this weekend is about a man who did his absolute best to increase the equality and the living standards for African-Americans. And then also not only the African-Americans, but for all minorities so that we all have an equal, an equal footing. And, um, we can all can share in, in the quality and the riches of this great nation. So with that being said, um, I want to d- today, if we could reflect on how we grew up, because I think, and I think we've shared the story a few different times on the podcast, but we'll recap it again today, just for those who haven't heard it or, um, and then maybe talk a little bit about how we grew up and then maybe talk about how we feel like the state of things are today. Um, comparatively. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, looking back on, you know, Martin Luther King's speech and the dream and the dream being to that all children of different races, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, uh, would all have equal opportunity and would all be able to live in harmony together and share and everything this country has to offer. And I, I would have argued that growing up, I, I think we would have been on track for that because, um, you know, Mr. Locke and I, we grew up in a fairly diverse area. We lived in a military town and nobody forces the integration of races like the military, because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a volunteer force and you have to work with what you got. Um, And, uh, you know, black people, white people, Asians, they're all forced to kind of live in the same community and they all have that common shared bond of the military. So I know growing up, you know, our immediate group of friends was white black asian uh, filipino and hispanic um and i think you know black and filipino out out in a lot of respects outnumbered a lot of the white kids so you know i for me at any rate growing up i had this naive idea of diversity and i actually thought racism was dead so you know fast forward maybe 10 to 15 years later and it's you know we're talking in 2012 and and uh a lot of stuff happening with Black Lives Black Lives Matter and whatnot, and I was surprised that that was still a thing. But I've said a lot, so I'll turn over to uh, to you, Mr. Locke, for your what your thoughts and where when you're like how you felt about our, our, our experience growing up.
1: Well, our experience, I would say, uh, it, it, we had uh, I would say our blah, blah, blah. our experience is kind of a privileged one. I would say, um, as military kids and most people that grew up as military kids that travel. They tend to, and i and I'm not not speaking for just us too. i I've I've known other military kids. I work with a guy who he grew up, he grew, he was born in the states and then grew up in like Portugal and stuff like that. And then I've known people who grew up in Germany and then moved back to the states. So you become well rounded. And for us, I grew up, I part of my life in Washington State and uh, shout out to Puget Sound out there. And then I moved to Virginia in 1990 and it was you know a melting pot but i would say that it if on the outside you couldn't see it but i think we scratched the surface there was definitely because i grew up i i spent most part of my life in nufolk and Nuffolk, virginia um and the not so great areas you could see the racial divide and stuff like that um are we as a nation are we living to martin luther king's dream no we're not um, tomorrow, uh, or depending on when he was to it, um, on Martin Luther King Day, if you look on Twitter, you'll see all these senators post out Martin Luther King like, quotes, You know, quoting him, talking about he's a great man, and he, he's doing everything else, and it's all window dressing because when it comes to actually doing stuff to help um, further people, not just black people because he just doesn't fight for only black people, he wanted equality among all people And fighting for that is a problem because that comes with power and power. Racism comes from a position of power and that's what happens. So unfortunately we're not there yet and it's going to take a while. Um, Maybe it'll be our kids, kids that will see it. Uh, Maybe I'm having faith uh, in it uh, because racism isn't, you're not born racist. You're not born a bigot. You're not born these ways you're taught, you know, you're taught or you feel because we have friends that we know, not naming names, that we went to school with and we break bread, we broke bread with them and we saw where they grew up and we see how they are now as adults. and somewhere between being 18 to wherever the fuck their age is now that they have gone off the deep end on how they believe about certain things, that certain people are getting advantages that they don't have or they should have and yada whatever you want to believe and it's just not true and it's not true and something in their life hurt them burned them and i'm not here to fix them but fortunately, that's where it comes from and i would say on the other half is a lot of times it's a divide between the city city folk and country folk country living now so i live in a country for a bit country for a bit country living is hella different than city living and people in the country think differently, move differently. People in the city move differently, think differently. Things that affect people in the city don't affect people in the country. Things people in the country don't affect people in the city. And that's where you have a lot of middle America, Oklahoma, North Dakota, South Dakota, Missouri. All those those people aren't the same things that people that think things same things that people in Florida, New York, California. You know, they're not thinking the same way. You know, so it's interesting like that. And I I tend to see like you tend, I noticed something like you notice the places that have naval bases tend to be the melting pots. Naval bases bring all the people from different backgrounds.
0: Oh, can absolutely. You,
1: uh, as you, you as a person has been to a lot of, naval. you've been a far more naval bases and military bases in general. You can definitely speak on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think, I think the military um, is pro is, you know, good, bad, or indifferent does force diversity and integration, I mean, just by nature of the fact that a lot of people, you know unfortunately it's this unfortunately the fact of the matter is most minorities come from low income states from a low income status. So the military is often oftentimes a springboard into a better life. You know, I mean my dad for example was an immigrant from the Philippines. Like he joined the Navy for a better life in the United States. Um, a lot of black people, they want to leave the inner city, so they re- they enlist in the Why military that? to help spring more themselves into a better life. I mean, that's the story for a lot of, when you, when you go on these ships and you go amongst the troops, that's just the story you hear a lot. You know, I mean, um, the unfortunate side of that, flip side of that, though, is that it continues, the enlisted ranks continue to be ruled by predominantly a white corps of officers, and that's because, again, those corps of officers come from a little more i hate to use the word but they do come from privilege because they have better educational opportunities they have the uh, uh, they oftentimes have the ability to go to college and the best college or the academies so they therefore just by nature their status are able they they, they happen to be in the officer corps and it's a, it's a diversity problem that the military continues to deal with day in day out and, you know i mean i don't think it's necessarily intentional it's just that. Because of the education level required to be an officer, it oftentimes means that the majority of the officer corps is going to happen to be be white. But that being said, the military still is the best best organization for the for, for the. I hate, I'm going to use the word forced because it is it's forced integration. Like if you are racist out of the Midwest and you join the military, hate to break it to you, buddy, but you're going to be serving right next to somebody that's probably black. Hispanic or Asian from somewhere else in the world. So you have to you have to set that aside. Now, one thing I have learned, though, coming, you know, in my experience is that on the surface, while it looks integrated under the surface, there are still a lot of racial entities that uh, that still exist. Um, and I think that some of the military has now become a lot more cognizant of and is trying to 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 grapple with and, and to to solve um, and to do and to, and to eliminate. But uh, but yes, bottom line, yeah, military communities tend to be more integrated, hence, you know, our community, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I agree. There are definitely places in Hampton Roads that are still living, well, I would consider passive segregation, right? Like, you know, those historically black communities, and you know them because they tend to surround all our historical black colleges, Hampton, Newport News, Norfolk, Portsmouth, tend to be, you know, predominantly black, obviously. Um, I know in Virginia Beach, just by nature of the fact that there is a large Filipino population inside the military in and around the Tallwood area and in around, you know, Princess, like in around the Kempsville, Princess Anne area in Virginia Beach, there's a lot of Filipinos. Um, That's where the Filipino Cultural Center Center is, for example. Look at Tallwood High School. It's almost entirely Filipino to a degree. Um, You know, so that, you know, that community doesn't exist uh, deeply inside of Virginia Beach um you know so it's you know i I think even though even even though that the military does integrate these communities you still find that you know there's comfort in your identity so you're going to find that you know even here in hawaii right there's little china and there are areas that are predominantly korean and japanese um and filipino just because the history of the island is you know the history of the island required that uh workers from out of the out of hawaii came here to work in plantations So there are Filipino communities and Korean and Japanese and Chinese communities. All these people came here to work the plantations. And of course, then the military brought even more um, integration with it as well. So, yeah, but I I think what's interesting is that, you know, I think to your point about what happens to it, like to some of our friends, you know, certain life experiences that kind of change their perspective or maybe brought to life or to the forefront, their main perspective, however you want to couch it. I think that part of that is, I think when we're young, right, we have a very we have a more optimistic view of the world. Like we're we're more hopeful. Um, we we see that there is more promise. I think you know we we have we like because we're young and like the the are the at age seventeen or eighteen there's still a ton of life in front of you, like uh, opportunity. The opportunities seem endless, and it just seem, you seem to have more hope for the future. I think as life deals you more and more hardship, it makes you angry. And I think that you know, it's easy to latch onto to that radio talk show host that finds a way to direct your anger at, you know a different race or at a different class of people to kind of give you reason for why you aren't doing as successful as the other guy. And I think part of that, that's, you know, I think part of that, that I think that's why a part of that angst exists. And then there is, then there is real angst, you know, I mean, um, at, at all, all cl- across all classes and mine and, and races, Alex, I need you to be quiet, buddy. But anyways, what what are your thoughts? That,
1: uh, you have a lot of points of that and it's, that is usually where it comes from because they feel that they've been, they feel this other person is in a position of power and now, because it goes both ways and um, they they feel they're in a position of power and that they feel like, hey, why do I have this advantage? Why don't I have that? And you're right. Unfortunately, in this world, and unfortunately, not all things are fair and not everything is equal. You know, that is part of the American dream. Now everybody can own a business. And become multi-millionaire overnight. Some people have to grind out. Some people get a business. But then that business will close in two years. Some people get a business and get bought out. <laughs> Some people won't even get a loan for a business. So it's it's unfortunate. And I think if there's two words. Two words that uh, Mr. Locke could tell you folks. That I learned as an adult. And helps me stay grounded and focused. Is patience and humility those are two things that as an adult uh, a lot of people do not know (laughs) people have a hard time with patience Uh, like they say patience is a virtue and a lot of people don't have it some people are just they want things now fast ready boom 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 and then some people aren't afraid to get knocked on their ass and dust themselves off learn from it and then try again some people want to get that one win when one time keep moving, you know, it's, it's tough. And it's, um, it, it's tough. And I think if we practice that with our fellow men and women out here, you, we would have a better world.
0: So that the reason to my next question, so, you know, I, you know, um, so much of our inability to progress, um, seems to be well let me back up so if we look at like the history of like civil rights right so if you start it in the 1960s with martin luther king and you know and the events that happened and you know or you can even start even earlier than that with the civil war however you want to look at it whether it be the civil war or the civil rights movement and we look at the steps that have been taken since then um with um uh you know the the, four, the 13th and 14th amendments uh some of the supreme court cases that have you know f- have awarded um or protected the rights of individuals under those amendments and then we look at today or most most recently with the passing of the bill that allowed for or legalized interracial marriage like what what continued barriers do we need to overcome to help live or to to help make martin luther king's dream a reality right i mean you know, on the like, because you could be depending on what side of the argument you're on, you could argue that, like, hey, schools are desegregated, right? So, like, everyone has the same opportunity. Or, um, you know, uh, we have gotten rid of Jim Crow laws. So the South is no longer black and white, it is integrated. Um, we have stuff like affirmative action so that we allow, we give opportunity to minorities to get into better schools. Like, you know, and of course, there are counter arguments to all those things as well, but I guess, are some are some of those barriers in themselves and or are there, what other barriers remain that keep us from really being like integrated? Is it just an emotional thing? Is it just a matter of like, we need people to go like to teach, to be better in their households or are there laws that need to be passed to help to continue to further or to make, to make that dream a reality?
1: Laws will never be passed for that. They just won't. So that's just we'll throw that out. This it sounds nice, but it won't, uh, because there's too many people out there that you know they're gonna look around and be like, no. I think what comes down to personally speaking, my opinion, my opinion alone, no research, just me saying, I think uh, we need more we need more more diversity at the table. You know, I will use this example. The example here is the NFL. So the NFL here, when it comes to hiring of black coaches, and you know, everybody's like, why are the coach, why you have to highlight f- like the factors black coaches? There's oh, as the black coaches. to say white coaches. Well, when the other, when there's thirty two teams and only five of them are black coaches, that's that could be a problem. And then you're seeing black coaches get like a one year contract and get fired immediately, where sometimes like a bad white coach could coach for a while. So then you're like. Well, we need to do the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule is stupid, because it's a law that they have in place saying that if before you hire a coach, you must interview one black coach. So what does that mean? You just do a sacrificial lamb, you bring in a black guy or whatever, and or whatever race, because it could be in a race, it could not be black. And you bring him in, they interview him, say, oh, we had a good interview. And then two days later, or three weeks later, they're like, we hired this guy, actually. We've been ironing this guy the whole entire time. We just did what you told us to do, but we want this guy, and that's it. And it doesn't really fix it because all of the owners are old white men, and as old white men, they're billionaire white men. How do you understand how hard it is to make a billionaire do something? He's a billionaire. These are all dudes, okay? There's one female owner that just got up to the ranks, whatever. She's part of a group, but she's like the head majority one. But that doesn't really count. And then there's also a person of color, and that's Shao Kahn of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Go Duval after your win yesterday. Uh, you know, and he's uh, he's of Israeli, Middle Eastern descent, but that's it. And every single time a person of color, of whatever, want to get there, it doesn't work. And that's that's the problem. You know, if you, to open that up, you need more people at the table. And there is certain, you can see certain things happening. I'm not saying that it's a dead issue. There's, the progress is happening, but we have to stay vigilant of it. You saw that um, in Congress, Hakeem Jeffries is the new, he's the first, (laughs) crazy, of the hundred years of Congress, first person of color, first person of color to lead a group you know what I mean, so that's, that tells you something, if you're like, oh, that's just, wow, it's a hundred years, man, like a hundred years, and you finally get one person, like, you, you can't poo-poo that, you can't be like, uh, whatever, Th- yes, think about it, Jim Crow and all that stuff wasn't that long ago, that was like 50 years ago, <laughs> all this stuff isn't like a hundred years ago, we're not talking all this bad stuff happened during Civil War, Martin Luther King died 50 years ago, 50 some years ago, it wasn't like 100 years ago. We're not talking about ancient history. Our parents was alive to this. My mom didn't go to school with a white person till she was in high school, which blows my mind, you know what I mean? Because she was born in South Carolina, Charleston, and South Carolina was very segregated like that, and it was the black side of town. So it's, you can't just, it's hard to, like, say how it's going to fix. The only way is people need to be more digilant, 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 be have be more open-minded, And being fair to who deserves what, who deserves the position, who deserves the opportunity, who deserves the chance. You know what I mean? And that's literally it. If you keep it fair across the board, all that goes away and you understand that. And if you integrate and you actually get to understand your fellow man, fellow women, understand their backgrounds, understand where they're from, understand how they were raised. You can understand diversity. Diversity is a wonderful thing. If you just open up to it. I used to be very... Anti, uh, like I used to listen to nothing but hardcore rap and R and B growing up. And then when I became an adult, I started listening to rock, classic rock, everything else. I have a huge music catalog now, and I'm known as the music guy because I know all this music because just cause, because I enjoy everything now. Because you know, I I sheltered myself, and I hate that, you know. Uh, but part of it's how I was raised. My mom and dad listen to that. I had to search for it, and I had to seek it. So it's it, it's different. I, I'm giving a lot of different examples, but like I said, we just have to be open minded and keep it fair and keep it open. And a lot of this, we could see Martin Luther's dream, even not even the full dream, we could see half it because we're never seen half, we're not even a quarter of it right now. We're, we're, we have a little, we have an eighth of his dream. Some people have opportunities, but we know what it looks like at the very top. We know what it looks like, you know what I mean? That's why it's a big deal in the military when they talk about, I think somebody, what was it? Somebody in the, it was a Marine. It was a lady. It was a lady who just got like the, the one of the highest positions in the military. I can't think if it was the Marines. I'm trying to remember the uniform. I think it was the Army or the uh, Marines. She was like a black woman who just got this heavy, like this large position, and she's like the first military around for a hundred years. You've had black ladies. Let's not pretend like they have black officers, but she's the first one to finally get there. You know what I mean? So. Like I said, it, it, the walls are slowly to be broken down, but we have to be diligent and keep trying to push it and keep everybody open and hap- happen to the open to the idea, and it can happen.
0: No, I definitely agree that the walls are slowly coming down, but I do. There are days where I feel like every time a brick a brick is broken, another brick goes up in its place. Right? Like you know, so so much so. So much of what is going to allow us to progress as a as a country is that we need to be able to learn from our history. And when I see people fighting in the classroom or fighting in, in school board meetings about like whether or not we should be ta- teaching like so the Civil Rights Movement or teaching the Civil War, teaching slavery, it, and, the, and, the, and just the, the 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 fight against that kind of uh, the fight against the teaching, like history, like, you know, the, um, it, it concerns me because how do you teach people about the wrongness of slavery if you don't, if you're not willing to have that discussion in the classroom, right? Like I, I was actually, I, and then of course, and then there are, there are a lot of parents too who are moving their kids to homeschool and they're cho- picking and choosing what to teach them. Oh. I was at a, I remember one day in my, when I, in my, uh, I was living, so this is when I was living in, in Northern Virginia and I was on the park and I was talking to a, um, Child of a a one of our one of the folks that lived inside the community, and they were homeschooled, and and I was asking, "Well, what are you studying right now?" i said, "Well, I'm I'm learning history." I said, "Oh, what what part of history?" He's like, "Well, we're talking about the Civil War." I said, "Oh, okay." He's like, and he and he he started talking about some of the stuff he was learning. He said, "Did you know that only twenty percent of people own slaves?" And I was like, "Okay, what's your point?" He's like, "Well, I don't." He's like, "Well, if it's only twenty percent, I don't really understand how the Civil War could be about slavery." And I said, and then and. it's not my place to tell him what he's learning cuz that's between him his his parents and him but the fact that he doesn't he didn't understand that that well one that 20% is the richest 20% in the in the country specifically the south and then at, at what percentage does it make it wrong or right right like i mean like does is 30% wrong is 40% wrong like or, like, but the, like, it could be 1% and it's wrong. The enslavement of another people is wrong regardless. And, but because, like, he was looking at it from a different perspective, you know, a more, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to say it's a white perspective, but he was, he was looking at it from a perspective that was ignoring the fact that, like, that that statistic could be misleading. And, yeah, I mean,
1: I'm gonna say it for you. It's from a white perspective, yeah. and unfortunately, it's it, it, that's how it is. That's why I'm like, if we be school, then good. Because unfortunately, what's gonna happen is that uh, it, it, you have part. We have part of our country that's never gonna teach it right. They are they're bought out. They're gonna set out, and they have their history books set a certain way. We didn't learn the Civil War was about slaves when we were took. There's a class called U.S. History and you don't learn that. You learn that it's, but it, you don't you you don't really learn about. That reason is about the South not being trying to be controlled by the North, but then you find out later in your life that's actually about slaves and all that, and then it becomes an issue. And I get it. There's a certain level. There's certain. I understand the perspective of not trying to, trying to make your history look as good as possible when your history is bad. You know what I mean? It's no. In my eyes, do I want to teach my child about the LA race riots of the early '90s? Do I really want to do that? You know what I mean, but it, it's it, and unfortunately, if you want to embrace the history, you got to take it all in. You got to take well, the
0: think, good and the bad. I, I think you still, I think you can still teach those things. Like for example, uh, I know this has been a this is a, a fact that a lot of people have been bringing up lately, especially since I, I don't know. Did you watch the show The Watchmen on HBO? Um, yes. Okay, so I, I didn't watch it, but the that whole you got scene, it. The, the, was it the Tulsa right? Yes. Tulsa race riot. Black Wall Street. I, I had no idea that that ever existed. Like, I, I, that was a, a fact about history that I never learned about. Um, and I, after I I' discovered that, I went back and read about it and I, it completely blew me away. Like so I mean, I, I think I think you can teach these things in schools and not like I, I get it. like I get that white people don't want to feel ashamed about history. Like they don't want to feel like they don't want their kids to feel like I'm to be to feel ashamed of, for being white. And you shouldn't have to feel that way, but like the lesson shouldn't be, well, our history is shameful so because it makes me feel a certain way let's deny it all together it should be hey we do have some shame, shameful incidents in our past and the only way we can be better is to talk about them and show and to determine how we can learn from them to make sure that we don't repeat them right but as
1: far being have humili- haven't having, having humility and being humble enough to admit this happens and a lot of people don't want to admit that they if you admit fault then they feel like they've done something wrong and they have to try to almost attest to that because it's going to go against their god either because they're going to show that somehow their family member or great uncle their great aunt great uncle great grandpapa, wronged people and killed slaughtered people and that's just like one there's like several in north carolina i found out like as part of the tour you could actually in wilmington virginia you can see there was like a it was another slaughtering of black people a massacre you know and it's tough you know and it's like they have to. You have to accept it, and once you accept it, then you have to own it. And they don't want to do all that. They want to keep it like, mm, that's the past. No, no, we're trying to do better for the future, which is doing nothing.
0: Yeah, no, that's valid. Keeping that's fair and valid so. point. That's a very invalid point. Um, going back to the, the previous question we were talking about, I I, I too agree. I'm, I'm skeptical that there's any additional laws that can be passed at this point to really um, make it better. But um, I, it, has I to be, do, it
1: has to be federal level. If you want if you want to fix something, we have to do federal level. It has to be 60 votes, and unfortunately we'll never get 60 votes in the Senate.
0: Well, our yeah, but I don't know, I'm not even sure what that law would look like right now. Uh, well, you would talk
1: about, one, you got the voter, you got the Voting Rights Act. That could do something. Sure. You know, that could help, you know I mean, make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity to vote because, hell, Eric, I have told you, Mr. Fig, I could go back 10 years ago where I'm like, voting is not it. I was like, eh, I'm not that big on voting. Remember, I, we had that conversation at your house. Right. I was like eh, I'm not and you're and then
0: I've changed on that but you know I'll play devil's advocate on this a little bit like I I, okay. I think I think everyone should have access to the right the ability to vote right and right. you were talking about how back then you weren't really big on voting but mm-hmm. you you still had the opportunity to vote now here I, I agree I agree with the fact that unfortunately most minorities have to work you know jobs that don't necessarily allow them afford them the opportunity to vote and that that is unfortunate that should not be that should not be like there should be opportunities whether it be absentee ballot or mail-in ballot or whatever and and think you know and I know that the right wants to twist that is like well th- you know that's where corruption comes up or that's where but the fact of the matter is that that system is safe and we've been using it for years it wasn't until last you know last two years ago that that became an issue um so I think we do need to continue to find ways to make sure that all, ra- all, all people who, and it's because it's not just a black problem. There are white people who have that have that are that are in a low income status that need to, that should have the same opportunity to vote as well. Correct. Absolutely. And there are Hispanics and Asians and everyone else. Like it's not absolutely. A, it's not a uniquely black thing. It is a that is a income inequality thing. So anyone, everyone should have the opportunity to vote regardless, right? But so I, I think they, they should make we should make so,
1: election day an actual holiday. Yeah. Where so, people don't yeah have so to they're, work. They're, why is that not a holiday?
0: Sure, but the yeah. point is the, the voting like the election like the, the voting rights thing. I don't consider that a like that's to me is not about racial equality um, as it's so much as it's more about in, maybe an in, income an income inequality thing. But, but you're the, right; it the, should be a the holiday.
1: Base, we'll see some of the some of the background that it comes a little bit racial with it, and because the fact that election election day is a Tuesday and it's non federal holiday it goes back to way back in the day where rich people were allowed to vote and the poor had to work.
0: Right. And I would argue that's still the, that's still the case today. I get it. But so, but I would say that's not a unique, I don't, maybe I'm looking at it through a different perspective, but I don't consider that a uniquely like racial thing. It just, it just happens that most races happen to be in a lower, happen to be of poorer status. So therefore have to work on that day. I um, but like I guess I don't think that's unique to like one race or the other. Uh, it is but unique I mean, to I, your it's, income it's and it is unique. It is unique I, I to income inequality though.
1: I don't understand. I don't see a law that can fix racism that way though. No, I don't think so either. There, think, there isn't, there isn't one universal. No. And, unfo- and, and the only way to do it is through information, and empowering the people to make the choice, making right. a fair choice. Cause it's, cause for me, I have a hard time, like believing some states and how some states work. Where, well, that's that's yeah. where I think that, that's Louisiana, where I think the biggest Louisiana is really weird to me. Well, <laughs> Louisiana to a me, I think it's the
0: biggest. I think that's the biggest obstacle, really, because you talked we we kind of hit on it earlier, right? Like most of your metropolitan areas are fairly well integrated. I mean, hell, that's the reason why Georgia turned blue, right? Like it's why Texas is on the verge of becoming purple because. You know, more people from California, okay, because Calif- California is so poorly mismanaged, people are moving to conservative, more conservative states because they have lower taxes. They have an abundance of resources and they can create jobs without being taxed out the wazoo. So like, you know, the film industry has pretty much picked up and left Hollywood and moved all the way to Georgia. You know, a lot of the music industry and a lot of the podcast industry has moved to like to Austin, Texas like, you know, so what you're finding is that, like, you know, and so we're getting to a place where, like, it's no longer going to be about big state, little state, it's going to be metropolitan area versus, you know, country, it's, it's Virginia Beach versus, you know, um, uh, a Hoski, for example, because, you know, or, or, you know, it's going to, or for another example being it, it is, you know uh fairfax the city of fairfax versus the county of leesburg you know because it's just by nature the fact that one is more integrated because that's where all because you know it's closer to dc and all the minorities live there and one is really rural that's where all the rich white people live like so you know that and that's going to continue to be the problem that's why we'll con- we'll continue like any legislation is going to become more harder and harder to pass you know and that's um so i think really really it, it i i really feel like We do need to find if there's any legislation to be passed at a federal level i'd like to think it 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 somehow protects the what we teach in school because i really feel like that's the only way you're going to have the conversation is that there is something embedded in our system because i don't think i don't think parents are going to have that discussion with their children um and and unfortunately and I, i even worry that like if that discussion happens in public schools, parents are going to pull their kids out of private, or pull their kids out of, or pull their kids out of public and put them in private, or p- pull them out and put them in home. But I feel like there needs to be something, something in the in the curriculum at all levels, private, public, and to um to kind of have this discussion. Because I'll give you another example. So I, I have a lot of friends here. They're you know they're predominantly white. Um, and I, I don't think there's a race, at least to my knowledge, I don't think there's in There's a racist sentiment in any of them however they are ignorant to to some of these issues because of the fact that they grew up in areas that are predominantly white their families are white they share a certain white culture you know like because I was conveying a story to them one day I was out on the playground here in um in Hawaii on the windward side I was at a local I was at a local park you know all but it was all Hawaiian locals when I mean Hawaiian locals I mean like real Hawaiians not like like, so, like, brown in <laughs> uh, <laughs> complexion. Um, and uh, I was center, I had, Alex was playing in the jungle gym, whatever, and the other kids were there. And all of a sudden, I hear this one kid call out, uncle, uncle, because here they refer to, like, their countrymen as uncle and auntie, right? So so I'm brown. I look like I could be Hawaiian, and I realized that he's talking to me. <laughs> and I, at first, I didn't realize it until I realized he's, he's talking to me. So I turned to him, I'm like i was like yeah what's up man and he's like well the, he's like the cops are here and i look over and yeah there was a police officer who just rolled up and it didn't look like he was there to arrest anybody or anything he was just there like uh, um and the little boy said the, the cops are here i said okay well yeah i see that he's like well they're gonna they're gonna come and arrest somebody they must be here to get some you know arrest arrest one of um arrest one of my friends and i said i said i, I don't think that's why he's here um And it was just kind of unfortunate that that was the way he felt like, here's like a seven year old boy who, when he sees the cops is concerned that this person is here to arrest or take away one of his friends, as opposed to be there to protect him or to, you know, you know, just to make sure everyone check in and make sure everyone's doing okay. And when I, when I conveyed that story to my friends, they were like, well, I don't understand why he was so concerned. And the fact, and it was like, I understand why they don't see it that way. And I, I I was kind of shocked to see why they didn't see it. They didn't understand why he would see it that way. But then I just started thinking, like, it's not necessarily their fault. They just don't, they don't know, you know?
1: Yeah, because it's, like I said, it's where you come from and your background. Because, yeah, you know, I mean, for us, uh, I wouldn't say seven has the most aggressive cops in the world. I won't say that. Uh, the cops in 757 seem to be pretty chill people. Uh, pretty chill and reasonable people, because it's a melting pot of cops. Uh, as me, as a restaurant, uh, I run a restaurant for a living. Uh, I get, reg- I get, I have police officers come through my building all the time of different races, different backgrounds all the time. So they're really, they're all seen the, ba- but again, it's all about the backgrounds because I could tell you a report. Uh, if you look online, you can find a, a report back in North Carolina a couple months ago where a new police commissioner came in. Well, not commissioner, but she was a city commissioner and the head sheriff of the town. And his deputies all resigned because she's from D.C. She came here and she's going to clean up the police because hearing bad things happen at the police department. And they all retired and they said, won't come back unless she leaves. And well, they never came back. And some other people had to come in. So it's all about their background because some people see cops and they're like, man, I'm seeing something bad. That You don't you don't know what this kid's seen. We don't you don't know. What that child probably seen? That kid probably seen somebody a cop come and arrest somebody, and that can be traumatized to a kid. That kid thinks like, "Man, when a cop comes, he's arresting someone." That can no, be traumatized. When I, a cop I, pulls, I, by, we all clench up as no as human beings. When a cop pulls it behind us, we clench our, our our steering wheel because we're like, "We're gonna get pulled over."
0: No, no, I, I, I totally understand that. That's, I guess that's my point, right? Like, our the life experiences of minorities. Are so much di- are so different than life experiences of the majority, I guess, right. and that and that's and that is why I think these conversations have to happen, and I think like and and, and I, I this is why I guess why you would consider me like I tend to be left of center because I do believe there are pl- there are places where the federal government does need to step in, and I think this is a big one because I fear that if we like if we don't like. I don't think it's enough to just have Black History Month or Asian History Month or anything. Like, we need to be like, like we need to do a comprehensive review of how we teach history and make sure that we are teaching it and not and like, and we need to make sure we're teaching it in a like in an objective manner, right? Like, I, I know that's a hard thing to do because I can see why white people would be like, I don't want my son to feel ashamed about being white. Like, you shouldn't. And, and white and by the way, like nobody is just white, right? They have different like. There's, right. you're Italian, you're Irish, you're German, you're Dutch, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Polish. And guess word. what? All of those people experienced some sort of racism when they arrived, because, you know, Itali- like Italians were segregated against, or Irish, the Irish were segregated against when they got here. Like at some point in history, everybody on this in this country has been segregated been against of, or alienated. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's because that's just, you know, that, that's just the truth. That's just fact, right? I mean. There's a reason why there, there were Irish communities that build up in New York and in, in Massachusetts and Italian communities and everything else, because there was that, that like when you when you got off the boat, you went to go find the nearest Irishman to help you get a job and to get you set up in the community. Like same thing, like so I mean, everyone's experiences this is not a story that is I mean, slavery is unique to black people. But I mean, as far as segregation and racism and and alienation, that is not a unique story, and we need to highlight those. If you ask
1: some people, they won't. Yeah, yes, people they were like, "Oh, well, slavery." A lot of the races were enslaved too, like dude. But black people been enslaved by masses, but I mean, by a large number. Okay, let's not play.
0: But uh, but we need to be able to teach history in a way that allows us to acknowledge these things, have objective discussions about them, not make. I mean. Like I get it, I totally agree with you. Like that does require some ownership. That maybe that may be too too big of a pill to swallow for some people. But like we need to teach people that slavery is wrong, and that the internment of Japanese was wrong, and that you know the you know the, the you know the massacre of Native Americans was wrong, and have those discussions, and then say, well, how do we prevent those things from happening in the future? Like how do we make sure that we we do better so that we can achieve the Martin Luther King dream? Uh, Because I think as long as didn't like
1: uh, a mayor, um, Sarah Huggabee Sanders, right? She she like uh, first thing she did when she got to office this year uh, is just take CRT out of her classroom. CRT, which is not taught in elementary schools anyway. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're not going to anywhere near elementary schools Uh, that in case you all don't know, CRT is not taught in elementary school. That is a college curriculum course. No, so I that's a so I mean but yeah. stupid people think is taught. Um, we had a guy literally try to run for a state senate in Virginia, talk about I'm um, taking CRT out of classrooms. Well, that's like, how you're, that's
0: man, how you're, that's how the Virginia governor got elected. The Virginia governor got elected on the fact that he was gonna like take give parents the deciding authority over what's taught in classrooms, and that a large part of that was using critical race theory as a as a way to galvanize that passion. No, I, you're right. It's not anything. It's like that's why i don't understand like history is history like you know <laughs> so just teach the facts i'm sorry if you feel a certain way about it but that's a fact this thing happened it's recorded history like we cannot not right. teach it like it's how, how this is what has occurred it's
1: wild it's wild but he tried to run for state senate he lost to, um aaron roush because so he tried to run on that and this time he lost i think um uh, youngkin got it there because that guy uh the dude that tried to run again he was Virginia uh, governor before what's that dude's name again I forgot the guy's name but he was a wet wha- he was not a good candidate he he was too he was trying to do like too national and he wasn't focused on Virginia policies mm-hmm. so he kind of played himself you know yeah. what I mean Youngkin focused on it and he wanted a fresh face so I don't think Yunkin I don't think Youngkin will win it again but I'm not sure if he can run back to back I don't know how that works at Virginia really I wouldn't
0: weird. see why you wouldn't be able to
1: I don't know. It's weird. I don't think he'll get it again. Wasn't Warner
0: it. a governor for a long, like for several terms? I can't yeah, remember. I think so. I can't remember. Um. I can't remember. At any rate, so we're yeah. we're coming up on forty five minutes. So I don't want to. I know we want to keep it pretty tight. I know we're both eager to watch The Last of Us on HBO. Yes. <laughs> so we'll talk about that briefly here in a second. But I do want to close out this this conversation out. So I think, you know, let me know. Let me know if I'm recapping this wrong. But I think we can both comfortably say that, you know modest gains have been made. As we said, the, the the wall is coming down piece by piece, but measures need to be taken, whether they be personal measures, whether it be us just teaching our own sons how to make sure that they know about history and racism and everything else, whether it be maybe that whether there be some kind of federal mandate, whatever the case be, that there are, but some measures still need to be taken and taken to ensure that people get to vote and people don't get to learn you know, get, make sure you get, get the truth in, in school and that people have equal opportunity, right? Cause that's really what it's about at the end of the day is that everyone has the same opportunity, you know, whether it be when they submit that application to the workplace or they submit that application to college or they submit that loan application for it to open a business, everyone should get the same opportunity as the person next to them. Um, so I think that's what, it gets, what, you know, but we bottom line, where progress is happening but you know there's still a long way to go
1: yeah that's the, the dream isn't well. going to be yeah. the
0: dream may or may not be fulfilled in our lifetime hopefully it's fulfilled in the lifetime of our kids or maybe their but kids but
1: progress is happening progress
0: is happening progress is happening all, because, is a black happening. Happening, all yeah. because a
1: black president happened doesn't mean it's done we're not done yet yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> the exactly. dream
1: still continues guys yeah all right like well that.
0: hey man real quick i do want to talk briefly about the fact that last of us is on tonight and i know i'm excited about this show i know you're excited about this show uh, we've talked about it previously um real quick what are you most excited to see in this show going forward or and what is the thing that you think you or what is the thing you're worried most about this show going forward
1: all right my, what i'm excited about is i'm excited yeah. to see this pedro pascal put in work pedro pascal's a real good actor man so he's gonna he's gonna do a good job. I have oh, a good yeah. I have a good feeling, even though I think that they should have got um uh Josh Brolin for this role, but that's just me. Uh but uh what I'm scared to see is that they said that they weren't gonna make it as scary or as violent as the video game is as was, and I kinda want that. <laughs> so I want the brutality and I want the scariness, and I hope it's not too tame. Like it's not bad, like HBO don't don't pull back man. Like you saw Game you know all gory and how violent Game of Thrones was. We want that. We're good with that. Keep it moving. That's what we want. <laughs> what what are you what are you excited all in? All right, HBO so I'm for?
0: excited about seeing this girl play it's Ellie, right? If I remember correctly her name. Yes. Um, I've liked her a lot in Game of Thrones cuz she is I she was just this she was like must have been like maybe 8 or 9, maybe a little in that 10 or 11 in the show. And she, like, demonstrated that she had bigger balls than everybody in the room sometimes on screen. Um, so she's definitely got gravitas. So I'm looking forward to seeing her perform and see her play Ellie. And uh, I'm looking forward to see the chemistry there between the two of them. And the thing I dread the most um, for me, I think, is that I, I actually want – I do not want them to be so narrow in their view of how they tell the story. I want to see some deviations. I want to see some <clears throat> some new world building – I want to i want to see them take some liberties um and i think that's why like walking dead was so successful is because you know the writer of the show was the writer of the comic book and he deviated like not in big ways like it was still the story was still the story but he took some liberties with the characters some characters died that died in the comics and some didn't it's the same thing with game of thrones like what made game of thrones successful was that like while the story was still the story there were certain liberties that were taken along the way that differ from what George R. R. Martin wrote and what the showrunners did. So I'm hoping that they take some really creative liberties with the show to open up the world a little bit. Because I think if they stick strictly to the story that we saw in the video game, <clears throat> like what's the point of having a show? I can just go play the video game and get a better experience than watching the show. Right? True. So that's kind of what. That's I'm really. I'm, I, that's what I'm scared for is that they they just they just narrowly strict to what we saw in the video game and they don't expand that story they'll expand that universe a little bit okay yeah yeah it's fair it's
1: fair i heard they're not gonna i heard they're gonna be very strict though that's what i heard but i, I have been wrong before all
0: right well we'll see all right man well hey uh we will end it here folks this is a great conversation i really enjoyed it uh hopefully yeah, you topics. all did too um i know this is a this is a hard topic to talk about and i um and i don't want to come off like it's us versus them or it's white versus black or rich versus poor but we need, it's an uncomfortable conversation, it needs to happen. So if you hung in through, hung in with us throughout the conversation, hopefully you took away the away from it. Hope you don't walk away from it hating us. But <clears throat> either way, um, we had a good time. Uh anything else to look forward to this week, Mr. Locke?
1: Oh wow. Well, today, no, it's just a game with we got game with not game with but we got last of us here. We'll see how that goes. Uh tomorrow night you got uh Tambo versus Dallas. I'm a Buccaneer fan, so hopefully uh, we can get ourselves a win and send Dallas home.
0: Yes, um, as a as a Washington as a Washington fan, I really want to see Tampa send Dallas home. Please, please so make that happen. It'd be
1: nice if they don't. Niners will send them home the next following week because Niners look like the real deal, yeah. you know. And then you had the Nine, you had the Giants win this afternoon, beat them, upset the Vikings. That was a pretty good game. Buffalo just outlasted Miami, and right now you got Cincinnati against. Uh,
0: so, uh, what's it going to it, it be? Do we think it's going to be Philly and the Niners at the big game, or what? How what do we I think?
1: Philly Niners for the Eastern, uh, North NFC? Yeah. Uh, right now, it's shaping up to be right now. I mean, I'm a Buccaneer fan, so I hope the Tampa Bay goes, but I gotta be realistic that the Niners look like very serious business, mm-hmm. and Eagles have a bye week, so they get healthy to play next week. And yeah. they're gonna play against the Giants, so they should beat the Giants. They yeah, yeah. should. So, we'll we'll see how that goes. There'll be Eagles against somebody um, for NFC, whatever. The AFC is still kind of wide open right now, yeah, because yeah. we have Three really good teams still available to play. Awesome. So we'll see how it goes.
0: All right, man. Well, hey, you enjoy your week and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. And with that, uh, I'm Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Locke. All right, buddy. Have a great week. All right, man. I see you. <laughs>